Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 633 for the 10th of March, 2019. This week, Brave is a browser that promises faster and more secure operation. It seems to follow through on both promises, but there are some features that infuriate newspaper and magazine publishers. In short circuits, flat maps have been lying to us. Technology can be used to eliminate those lies by more accurately representing the land masses of the globe on flat monitor surfaces. Microsoft wants to get rid of passwords and has taken some steps toward doing that. It won't happen soon, though. The National League of Cities says more than 40 cities in the United States have pilot projects or are considering pilot projects for self-driving vehicles so they can evaluate positive and negative outcomes. In spare parts, only on the website, Kroger says a second of its divisions will stop accepting Visa credit cards, and the federal government has lots of websites with millions of users, even though they receive barely passing grades for usability. If you're in favor of online security and like websites to load quickly, the Brave browser might be worth checking out. It's available for Windows, Mac OS, and Linux computers, as well as Android and iOS phones and tablets. It includes HTTPS Everywhere integration, blocks cookie capture, and blocks ads, although there's some dispute about that. Brave has been around since 2016, and a controversy erupted immediately after it was launched. Lawyers for 17 newspaper publishers that represent 1,700 newspapers wrote a letter to Brave Software stating, in part, your plan to use our content to sell your advertising is indistinguishable from a plan to steal our content to publish on your own website. The New York Times, Washington Post, and Gannett Group were among those complaining. Brave is based on Chrome, and what differentiates it from other browsers, Chrome-based or not, is its opposition to some ads and tracking cookies. To gain speed, Brave can strip out ads that are served by publishers. In some cases, Brave wants to serve ads of its own, and that is what annoys the publishers. I'll come back to that advertising question in a bit. Brave offers an array of privacy and usability features to speed search functions and page loads. The user can enable prediction services. These are off by default because they transmit information before the user initiates the connection. If enabled, this does speed the search. Safe browsing is turned on by default. This feature can alert the user if a website appears to be malicious. Additionally, if you specify Google as your primary search engine, Safe Browsing connects it to a Brave Run server that keeps no logs. You might be surprised to see that an option to send Do Not Track requests to websites is off by default. In fact, there is very little reason to turn this on because most sites ignore the request anyway. If you've used Chrome, you'll recognize most of the interface. Brave is noticeably faster when loading pages. 
A site called Net Applications says that Brave reduces load time by half compared to Chrome or Firefox. This performance gain is primarily the result of blocking techniques that advertisers use to identify users and then follow them across the web. After removing ads and trackers, Brave needs to download only the page content. In other words, there's really no magic involved here. It just downloads less. In addition to setting global options for things like video autoplay, ad and tracker blocking, encrypting unencrypted connections, blocking various types of cookies, allowing or denying the use of scripts and device recognition by the site or third-party providers, individual settings can be established for each site you visit. Although the feature hasn't yet been fully implemented, there are plans to allow synchronization settings on multiple computers and mobile devices. Sync is still a beta function. It works only to synchronize bookmarks across devices. The setup is a little unusual. You have to navigate to the Settings panel, click on Sync in the left panel. That leads to another screen with a link to click. That link leads to the Setup page. On the first computer, you start a new sync chain. That'll display an astonishingly long code. It consists of 24 words, and each 24-word code is unique to the individual user's sync chain. The next step involves repeating the process on the second computer or mobile device where you'll be asked to type the words. This is actually a lot easier than it sounds and a lot easier than it looks. But if you don't want to type the words and the second device has a camera, you can display a QR code and use that instead. Assuming the words have been entered correctly, or the QR code scanned, Brave will then synchronize the bookmarks and display a list of linked devices. Currently, Sync works on Windows, Mac OS, Linux, and Android devices. The developer says that it will soon be offered for iOS devices. So obviously this is still a work in process. Now, earlier I said that publishers were adamantly opposed to Brave's business model. What annoys publishers is Brave's goal of adding its own advertisements. The overall framework has been described, and the company is still working to implement it. Ads will be removed and then be replaced with generic ads. In other words, ads that are not targeted to an individual user. Now, that might actually be worse than what we have now, because ads you see now are at least based on something the user has shown interest in. Plans also exist to provide a way for users to make micropayments to sites that they want to support. Micropayments have been unsuccessful so far. These are financial transactions involving very small sums. The first such systems were tested in the late 1990s, but most failed. The next generation of micropayment systems has been developed in the last decade or so. Brave proposes what they call BATS, Basic Attention Tokens, B-A-T. These will be based on a cyber currency. Tokens will be awarded to publishers based on the amount of time users spend viewing ads and content. Users who agree to receive Brave's ads will be given BATS that can then be given to publishers. This is a project worth watching, and possibly worth testing. The Brave browser was developed by Brendan Eich, who co-founded the Mozilla Project, but was then forced out after supporting California's Proposition 8, a ballot measure aimed to ban same-sex marriage. The proposition passed. It was later nullified by a Supreme Court ruling. So the bottom line for the Brave browser, 
Well, the browser offers a lot of useful features, but it comes with questions, particularly those that deal with the plan to replace embedded ads with ads Brave serves. If the company develops a good way to compensate website owners while simultaneously maintaining the ultra-fast load time for pages, it could be a winner. More than two years into its development, Brave is still very much a work in progress. So for now, I'm not adding a cat rating. There's just a question mark there. If you'd like additional details on Brave or you'd like to download it and give it a try, check out the Brave website. There is a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. In short circuits, except for the flat earth crowd, those who have more than a primary grade education know that the planet we live on is a sphere, or more or less a sphere. Somewhere around the house, we have a globe. Maybe you do too. But flat maps are easier to use in books and on computer screens. The problem with maps that lie flat, though, is that they flatly lie about the sizes of land masses. The distortion is greater at further distances from the equator, in other words, toward either the North Pole or the South Pole. Technology can now eliminate those inaccuracies. It is difficult to represent a three-dimensional sphere on a two-dimensional piece of paper or on a screen. Flemish geographer and cartographer Gerardus Mercator developed a way to represent a sphere on two-dimensional paper in 1569. The Mercator projection has been the primary method used for mapmaking since then. It was essential for nautical navigation because it preserved the shape of objects distant from the poles near the equator. However, the Mercator projection distorts the size and shapes of objects that are closer to the poles. Greenland and Antarctica are represented as much larger than they actually are. Google Earth and Google Maps on computers now address that problem by adjusting the size and scale of the displayed land masses to more closely represent what would appear on a sphere even though the computer screen is a two-dimensional surface. Google Maps on mobile devices still use the old Mercator projections. This may not seem to be an important distinction for Greenland. Only about 50,000 people live there, fewer than even medium-sized cities in the United States. It is important, though, because it may help some of us to understand the true size of the United States when compared with the rest of the planet's landmass. Northern Africa alone has more landmass than the United States. Nigeria is the size of several U.S. states, and some of the large African countries dwarf even Texas and Alaska. Mercator projection maps were essential for European seafarers. Today, though, this technology may cause problems and enhance prejudices. The United States is not the center of the universe or even the center of the planet. Looking at the world through rose-colored glasses does not make the world rose-colored. Maybe it's important now to see things as they really are, not the way we thought they were back in the fifth grade.
passwords are undeniably weak points. We use weak passwords even though we know we shouldn't. We reuse passwords even though we know we shouldn't. We might even share passwords even though we know we shouldn't. Passwords need to go away, but they've managed to survive all attempts so far to eliminate them. Microsoft wants to eradicate passwords and replace them with other security measures, and there has been some progress. Some current computer models have fingerprint readers. These are more secure than bad passwords, but fingerprints can be spoofed. Microsoft's facial recognition is considerably more robust than the initial iterations. Facial recognition and fingerprint scanners can be fooled, but they do require physical access to the computer unlike passwords that can be exploited from afar. Both fingerprint scanners and facial recognitions are parts of Windows Hello. Starting in 2018, Windows 10 Enterprise users could set up the Microsoft Authenticator app on systems with what's called S-Mode enabled, and then create a Windows Hello login. Once that's been done, the user can log in without having to enter a password. The long-term goal is to eliminate passwords for all users, and Microsoft has been working with the Fast Identity Online Working Group, also known as FIDO, to develop better security methods. Over time, we will see passwords being replaced with alternatives that aim to eliminate the shortcomings associated with passwords. Another objective is reducing what's called the password surface area. In other words, replacing passwords in functions where they're common now, like creating new accounts, setting up a new device, or logging onto websites and apps. These efforts are certain to create a lot of change for IT managers and system administrators, so concurrent efforts will aim to develop ways to make the setup and background administration less painful. These changes will be seen first in enterprise environments, but eventually we should begin to see passwords disappear from our everyday computing life, too. League of Cities has been exploring the future of autonomous vehicles and how they'll change the urban landscape. AVs are already on our streets with pilot projects in a lot of cities. Late last year, self-driving shuttles began moving people around through the Scioto Mile section of Columbus, for example. The vehicles being used in Columbus have six seats. They will generally carry four people. Currently, an operator rides along in case there's a problem that needs intervention by a human. For the first year, the vehicles will run every day and will be free. A report by the National League of Cities says that more than a third of large cities are planning for AVs in their long-range transportation plans. Changes will affect more than just traffic and transportation, according to the organization's report, and will change housing, land use, parcel delivery, freight, and more. AVs have the potential to help cities address challenges that range from citizen isolation to closing transit gaps but the technology also presents risks. As cities increasingly become the center for jobs, we need to consider cost-effective, inclusive ways to ensure that everyone has equal access to mobility. That's according to Clarence Anthony, National League of Cities CEO. 
Autonomous vehicles might offer a part of that solution, he said. They have the potential to unclog public transit and expand transportation access to more neighborhoods. More than 100 cities around the world have been mapped on the Global Atlas of Autonomous Vehicles and Cities. These are the cities where pilot projects are active now or planned. Some 40 cities in the U.S. are on that list. The organization says there is a need for legislation to govern the rollout and operation of these new technologies, as well as further research on artificial intelligence, safety precautions, and limitations. The report is available on the National League of Cities website. And, as you might expect, there is a link to the National League of Cities website on the TechBiter Worldwide website. And also on the TechBiter Worldwide website, and only on the TechBiter Worldwide website, is spare parts. This week, Kroger says that a second of its divisions will stop accepting Visa credit cards. And the federal government has lots of websites with millions of users, even though they receive barely passing grades for usability. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.